Go, let's do this. You want to go? Let's do this now. It's kind of like saying, I can't move. I can't. Listen, you ever watch someone try to run with their pants kind of falling down? You know, it's kind of, you know, I've seen it before and it's not pretty. And, and let me just say this, you can't run a race that way. And you're probably not going to win a fight if you're kind of doing this the whole time that you're, you know. So the Lord says, hey, first, before we do anything else, let's make sure everything's on right. When you get inside of a car, what's the first thing you got to do? Buckle up. So you're like, check my phone. No, no, buckle up. <laughs> buckle up. You, you get you on an airplane. They go, hey, let's, let's walk through these things. Let's talk about if we lose uh, pressure in the cabin and this mask falls down, you got to fasten that mask. They tell you, hey, next, here's how you, after so many times being on a flight, it's like, I know how to put the stupid safety belt on, you know, and they show you over there. Why? Because they're going out of the way to go, hey, we want you to be safe. Listen, as a believer, you know what holds everything else up? I can tell you what doesn't hold everything else up, your emotions. Your emotions change from day to day. You know what you need? You need something that is constant and consistent in your life to keep the rest of you, listen to me very carefully, together. The Bible says the first thing listed in this armor is truth. Uh, let, Let me give you this, the value of truth. You say, why does truth matter so much? Well, over in the Old Testament, you don't have to go there, but in the Old Testament in Amos, uh, it says this. It says, there, there's coming a time, and the days will, will come, saith the Lord God, that I will send a famine in the land, not for food or water, but for the hearing of the words of God. In other words, you know, you know why truth matters so much? It's valuable. Ladies, let me ask you a question. Would you rather have, not that it, listen, if all you can afford is a cubic zirconia, wear that cubic zirconia with, with beaming pride, a big smile on your face, and thank God for that. But, but let's be honest, diamonds are a girl's best friend. And so if you can have a choice, if you could choose between a diamond and, and cubic zirconia, which would you choose? Diamond. Why? Why is a diamond such a big deal? Because it's rare. And the less, this is simple economics, right? Which is not taught in schools anymore, but supply and demand. The less there is of something, the higher the price. So you know what they're doing in France right now? They're destroying like literally thousands of gallons of wine. Why? Because they overproduce, and now the value is like this. So what they're going to do to manipulate it is get rid of all the wine. So they go, oh, look at that. That bottle cost you $10 last week. Now it costs you $100 again. You see, what is that? Well, when something is rare, it's, it's more valuable. Can I ask you a question? Are we not seeing that truth is rare today? The famine we face today is not physical. I mean, listen, we were... Uh, <laughs> We were on a college campus at CSU, and, and the preacher goes, uh, Brother Sean Holes goes, I think it was, maybe it was the other guy, I can't remember, but he goes, uh, so, you know, it was Sean, he goes, so you don't believe there's such a, do you believe there's such a thing as absolute truth? No way. Okay, you know what the follow-up question is. Are you absolutely sure? You know what the kid, without thinking, yes. So you're absolutely sure that there are no absolute truths. You are conditioned today in society to believe that there's no way to know anything. I mean, you've, you've, got, you've got preachers that are saying that this book is outdated, 66 books that are outdated, and who knows whether they're even of God. Man, when you get to where preachers are saying that stuff, you're in trouble. And by the way, I mean, I don't know how else to say this, but man, if this wasn't truth and, and there was no way to know God, and there wasn't no way to know truth, you know what I'd be doing right now? Not this. Something else. If you believe that, that this is just kind of a book of fairy tales with nice stories, I can find nice stories in fairy tales somewhere else. 
I don't want a God telling me, a book that tells me that God says I can't do this and I can't do that, and he's going to run and tell me what's right in my life and tell me what's, what's wrong in my life. I'd rather just do my own thing. If that's not truth, man, then let's do something else. You know why truth is so valuable? Because it's rare. Finding absolute truth today is rare. And therefore, you ought to say, thank you, Lord, that I have this in my life. Thank you, God, that I can be grounded in truth. Over there in Ephesians, it talks about being tossed with every wind of doctrine and tossed to and fro. You say, why? When you don't have truth, that's all that you're left with is your opinion and someone else's opinion. And, and, and listen, it's all, it's all relative at that point. You know what the Bible says? I hear this all the time. I just want to embrace my own truth. You ever heard that? Right? This is your truth, and this is my truth, and that's her truth, and that's his truth, and that's their truth, and them truth, and Zer, and Z, and Zim, and their. It's, it's whatever, they, it's their truth, right? And it's my truth. And, hey, can, can I say this? I don't have a copyright on truth. You don't have a copyright. You know who does? God. You know what determines? Listen, you can say there's no absolutes. When you get lost, you know what a compass does? You know what people do when they get lost? They don't go, all directions are all the same. It doesn't really matter. I'll just follow my heart. Okay, good luck with that. They get a compass out and they go, this goes north. So if I'm going this way, I know this is east, right? If I know this, this is west and that's south. And so we can find our way back based on true north. You see, nature itself shows you that there's a need for absolutes. And so when you look at that, you look at what God does when you get saved. He puts, listen to me, the spirit of truth inside of you. Uh, so, so when we talk about uh, what is truth, go to the Old Testament with me. Look at Psalms, Psalms chapter 57, Psalm 57. I want you to see this. I, I want you to, to, to understand God wants you to get your mind and your heart uh, focused on the fact that there is such a thing as absolute truth. Uh, God is that truth. And God, listen to me, God communicated that truth to his creation so that we could know who he is. You know what, a God, if a God is so powerful to create the universe, and he creates the universe, and then he kind of withdraws himself and does not reveal himself to that creation, you know what you could say about that God? He is unrighteous. God is not unrighteous. So you know what God does? He goes, I am truth, and I will communicate that, and I will make sure that you understand my nature through my truth. Uh, look at uh, Psalm 57. Psalm 57, verse number 3. He shall send from heaven and save me from the reproach of him that would swallow me up. See law. God shall send forth his mercy and what? His truth. truth. You know, the only his truth that matters is his truth. Now look at uh, Psalm 91. Look at Psalm. And people go, well, you're just, you're being too dogmatic. Uh, Listen, I don't know how else to take the word of God. You either take it or just throw it out. (laughs) But if you take it the way that it is, what it shows you is that God has truth. He is the possessor of that. He allows us to be stewards of that. And it's a valuable thing because this world has rejected that very concept. Look at Psalm 91. Look at verse number 4. Talking about how God would take care of Israel as a nation. He shall cover thee with his feathers like, a, like an eagle's nest, right? And under his wings shalt thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. He, isn't it interesting? He relates to, to armor. Uh, Look at Psalm 96, Psalm 96, look at verse 13. Before the Lord, for he cometh, for he cometh to judge the earth, second coming, that's what you read about in Revelation 19, he shall judge the world with righteousness and the people with what? 
Listen, let me tell you right now, and I mean this, I'm not trying to offend you. If you get offended, please know I'm trying very hard not to offend you. But if truth offends you, take it up with God. Listen, when he shows up, he's not going to ask anyone their opinion. He's going to say, this is what the Bible, he knows what he's going to do. He's going to judge the world as the Bible says in, in truth and in righteousness. Well, what is that truth based on? It is based on the words that came out of his mouth. Where do you find those words today? So you know what, you know what the Lord's going to do when he comes back? The Bible says in Revelation 19 that uh, uh, out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword. And it also says in 2 Thessalonians 2 that uh, he was going to consume them, talking about the Antichrist and the armies that gather against Jerusalem. He'll consume them with the spirit of his mouth. So there's, there's two things that you've got to connect there. The spirit of his mouth and the sharp sword. You say, what does that show you? The Bible calls the word of God in Ephesians 6 the sword of the spirit. So when it says he'll consume them with the spirit of his mouth and out of his mouth go the sharp sword, you know what he's going to be doing? The same thing he did when he was on this earth. It is written, it is written, it is written. They come to get him in the garden of Gethsemane. In John chapter 18, they go, art thou Jesus of Nazareth? You know, he says, I am he. Boom, they fell down backwards. And that was limiting himself during his earthly ministry. Imagine when he comes back. You, what, what am I getting at? What I'm getting at is this. Your emotions are not equal to truth. Your emotions are real to you. I'm not dismissing your emotions. I'm not saying you don't have them. I'm not saying they're not real. What I am saying is they can't determine what is right and wrong in your life. When you listen to counsel, and I I was debating whether bringing a message on this tonight, but but when you listen to counsel, you've got to take that counsel and go, how does it line up with the word of God? Uh, Because why? Because that's the most valuable thing. The value of truth is this. It's not everywhere. God gave it to us in one book. Thank God for that. Look at Psalm 98. Look, if you would, at verse number three. Psalm 98, verse number three. Now, this verse may not mean a lot to you, but I'll tell you what. When you get saved, one of the first things that you learn, you ought to learn, if you're in a Bible-believing church, you'll learn this, is that when God gives you salvation, He doesn't take it back. That's a blessing. (laughs) The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5 uh, that you may know that you have eternal life. You say, what is that? That is God's truth about your eternal soul and the salvation of it. So in regards to that, you know what you ought to thank God for? Thank you, God, that your truth, listen to me, does not change. You know why it's so valuable? Because truth is a reflection of the nature of God. Over there in the Old Testament, in Malachi, it says, I am the Lord, I change not, therefore ye sons of Jacob are not consumed. In other words, the reason why I don't just get rid of all you guys is I made promises of mercy to you, and I will stand by my truth. Look at Psalm chapter 98, verse 3. He hath remembered, aren't you glad he remembers this over remembering all your sins? He hath remembered his mercy and his what? Truth. Truth. Look at Psalm 100, verse 5. Psalms 100, verse 5. It's not about your truth, not about my truth, not about their truth. It's about his. There's one source of truth in the entire universe, and it's God himself. And that's what makes it so valuable. There's one source. Listen, when Thomas is asking the Lord, how shall we know the way? How does the Lord respond? I am the way, the and the life. You know what blows my, as you go to Psalm 100, it blows my mind. Truth personified is Jesus Christ. So truth came as a person, and his name is Jesus Christ, and he's standing there with Pilate, Pontius Pilate, and Pontius Pilate looks at Jesus Christ and says, what is truth? 
Isn't that an amazing thought? Truth's right in front of you. You can touch it. You know what I'll tell you right now? Can I borrow this real quick? Truth is, I'm going to mess you up. I'm sorry, buddy. He had finger markings and doing this number. I'm, we'll find it later, I promise. <laughs> Truth is right in front of you, and you can touch it. I know some of you might think I'm being blasphemous for equating the Bible with Jesus Christ. The Bible is not Jesus Christ, but let me, under, let me explain this. They're both called the Word of God for a reason. Because Jesus is God's voice and God personified as a man. And God also left us with his words to understand who God was when Jesus was no longer with us. You know what I'm trying to get you to understand? The truth is valuable. It's invaluable. Old MasterCard commercial, take a kid to the ball game, tickets are 50 bucks, you know, hot dogs, $10, so does this much. But spending a day with your son at the ballpark, priceless. You know what's priceless? Truth. Imagine this, think to yourself, where would I be without truth right now? Now, I'll be very careful. I, again, I, when you, when you, there's certain things. Okay, I'm just going to get this out of the way. If I said, and I know I've said this before, but for the sake of those who haven't heard it, bear with me, for those who've heard it a million times. If I put out a banner outside this church and said, all you guys that are cheating on your wives, you are welcome at New Heights Baptist Church. How would you guys like that? It's wrong, right? Okay, what if I put a rainbow color thing on it? And I said, if you're like this, then you're welcome. Why don't we just put on a sign that goes, sinners are welcome, because that's what it needs to be here. Instead of catering. You know why people are doing that? Because truth has fallen in the streets. And when there's no absolute final authority, what is, cult, what is culture? Which way is the wind blowing? What do they say matters right? Oh, that's the group we want to cater to? Okay. H- how about you just preach the gospel of sinners, because that's what we all need. This is probably going to grieve some of you, um, but uh, I want to show you to you because I, I think you need to understand kind of where we're at today. If you have a church that believes the truth, it doesn't mean we're the only ones. Don't get self-righteous, but you ought to be thankful for it. Amen. You ought to be. Um, Brother Ben, can you, can you get the lights for just a second? I want to illustrate kind of why this matters. And I know this is going to kind of be grieving, but, but bear with me for just a moment. When you, you remove, remove truth, truth anything, anything goes. If you're offended or this bothers you, hold on a second, because I know what you're thinking. Uh, you're hateful. You, first off, can I just say this? We live in a day and age where if someone disagrees, I think it's projecting. If someone disagrees with me, I, I, I don't hate you. I don't hate you. I, we disagree. That's not hate. When someone says you disagree with me, therefore you hate me, that's you projecting your hate towards me on me. I don't hate you. I, I can look at something and go, it's, it's not right. If this was, hey, let's get all the guys up here that have been cheating on their wives, and let's be still for a moment, folks. Let's be still. If we got all the guys that have been doing that, say, let's, let's clap for these guys. Let's welcome them. Automatically, you go, that's not right. And yet, you say, well, what determines what's right and wrong? Let me ask you, who does that? God does that. I don't do that. The church doesn't do that. The pillar and ground of the truth is the church, but the reason we have any of that is because of God himself, through the word of God. 
I'm not here to attack or to hate or anything like that. I'm simply here to tell you, you know what the next step is? The next step is embracing pedophilia. And when that comes, there'll be people that will defend that as well. And you will know that, that the church itself watched this happen in society. You say, why? Because we weren't willing to say this is right and this is wrong. Now, look, I know, I know for a fact, once you touch certain hot topics today in today's culture and society, people are going to get offended. I'm not doing this to be brash. I'm not doing this to offend. But I will not apologize for what is right and scriptural. And if it was right 100 years ago, it should be right today. I'm not talking about abuse or anything that was wrong. I'm just saying, if it was right in the word of God, listen, uh, there was a time when, when a, a young lady would have been embarrassed to be seen alone with a guy in a car if they weren't married or in a serious relationship. We're way beyond that now. You say, why? All, all matters of propriety are just, they're gone. You say, why? Because truth has fallen. You say, well, pastor, that makes me feel like you're judging me. I'm not judging you. I don't know your life. I don't know any, I'm not any better than you. I'm a sinner saved by grace. But let me just say this right now. I know what happens sometimes. Some of you adults want to shackle the preacher and say, don't talk about that. When you know good and well, if someone had talked to you about that, when you were 15, 16, and 17, you wouldn't have gone through some of the hardship you went through. And we're trying to help some of these young people to make sure they avoid some of the hardship that some of us adults went through. You know what they need? Truth. I don't want to play the rest of it. You guys get the idea. This goes on. And by the way, the idea is this is in a church. This is in a church. You say, well, preacher, I don't see the problem with that. Well, then you have it in your Bible. You have it in your Bible. Again, the point is this. What is truth? Is there such a thing as truth? If there isn't, anything goes. And you will have no leg to stand on when you go, well, that's not right. Who makes you the arbiter? Who makes you the final authority on what's right? Okay, Hitler, was he right or wrong? Wrong, right? He hurt people. Do you understand in his mind and minds of millions of people they were doing a good thing? I believe it was wicked and evil enough Satan. I'm not saying I'm, I'm for it. Please under, do not walk in here. Pastors are not. I didn't say that. That stuff's evil. What I'm saying is this. There were millions of people that believed they were right. If there are no absolutes, you cannot stand there with your finger out and say, that's wrong. Who determines that? I'll tell you who determines that, God. You know why truth is so invaluable? Because it comes from the Lord. Yeah. Let me ask you a question tonight. What's holding you up? What, what are you making your decisions based on? Is it the truth from God's word? How do you enter into relationships? Is it the truth from God's word? How, how do you deal with the decision? How do you say, okay, I'm going to go in this direction. Is it solely based on feeling? Or do you ever go back and go, Lord, what do you think about this? What do you say about this? What is truth? For the Christian, it should be truth. The value of truth is it's invaluable. Look at John chapter 8. Let me show you this, the virtue of truth. You say, what is the virtue of truth? It's freeing power. You know what the, the truth does? The truth is what allows, uh, and if you read church history, read books about church history, read books like Fox's Book of Martyrs or uh, Martyr's Faith, different books about those who were persecuted over the years for the sake of the gospel and the sake of standing on the side of truth, uh, what you'll find out is that many of those men, and, men and women alike, went to the the stake, where they were burned at the stake, or their heads were chopped off. I mean, terrible ways to die. And they went with complete confidence. Can I, can I, can I remind you of this? You know what they're doing to Jesus Christ? They're smacking him when he's got a blindfold on. They're ripping his beard out. They're spitting on him. They're, they're making a complete, and you know what they're doing? Hey, you saved others, why don't you save yourself? 
Hey, you said you're the Messiah. Why don't you speak up? Hey, how come you, oh, you can't talk right now? Some, some, a cat got your tongue? What's going on? And you know what he does? He doesn't call the ACLU. He doesn't fight. You know why he's able to just stand there? He's confident. You know why? He knows truth is on his side. You know what truth gives you? It gives you peace. It allows you to be free in places where others would look at you and go, you must be in bondage. No, I'm, I'm fine. I'm just fine. You know what Paul spends uh, some of his ministry behind bars? And you know what Paul says? I'm free. <laughs> why? Because I have truth. L- look at John chapter number 8. Look at John chapter 8. John chapter 8. You say, how do I have my loins girt about with truth? Here's what I would say to you, real simple. I'd say, find the truth, believe the truth, and live the truth. Uh, look at uh, John chapter 8, and, and notice what Jesus says here. Uh, and these are some, some people that have come to him and, and uh, believed on him, and, and they want to follow him. Look at verse number uh, 31. Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my what? Then you are my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the what? You know, the, you see the connection between his word and truth? And the truth shall make you what? Free. You know, someone could talk bad about you, and if you know it's not right, you go, eh. You don't always have to fight with everybody. Do you know what they're saying about you? Yeah. You know who could say really worse things about me? God. When someone talks bad about you, you ought to learn to do sometimes, just laugh and go, well, at least they don't know everything. <laughs> you know why you can do that? The Bible says... Great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. You say, why aren't you worried about that? Because I know what truth is. You know what it is? It's freeing. (laughs) You know, when I I consider that, man, God knew everything about me, all the dirty secrets, all the nooks and crannies of my life and of my soul, and he put all that behind his back, and he washed me clean in the blood of Jesus Christ, I don't worry what someone else says. Why would that matter? You You know what matters to me? What does God think about me? Can I say this? False prophets are going to be deceiving in the last days. Men will deceive you. All ladies go, amen. <laughs> yeah. People are going to deceive you. I'll never forget LaVeda Burroughs, lady I went to Bible school with, on her uh, uh, answering machine. Anybody remember what an answering machine is? Okay, a little box, and it had a little tape in it. You know what a tape is? Okay, all right. And it would record, right, and it play the thing and all that. And uh, she had this on her answer machine. It's from the book of Psalms. And I said in my haste, she was a good southern girl, Miss Cindy, you'd love her. I said in my haste, all men are liars. Beep! <laughs> and that's where you're like, she didn't have a good relationship with someone because that's, that's an interesting. But let me just say this. Men will, de- people will deceive you. Can I get a witness? Yeah. False prophets will deceive. Can I say this? The devil wants to deceive you. Yeah. Yeah. The Bible says he was a liar and the father of it, and he abode not in the truth. But, you know, I think the worst kind of deception, you know what it is? Yeah, it's in a cult. Yeah, it's in a church on the side of a bank. Yeah. (laughs) Here's the worst, you ready? Here's the worst deception you could have. Hold on a second. Let me me show what it looks like. It looks something like this. (laughs) It's, it's, we're not taking a picture. It's in a selfie time. (laughs) You want to do it now? Okay, there we go. That's never happened before in church. Mark that one down. You know, you know what Paul says? If a man thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. 
you will convince yourself of all kinds of things that aren't true. How about this? No one loves me. I'm not welcome. God's done with me. God couldn't forgive me. You know what all those things are? Those are things that aren't based on truth. But you tell yourself those things. I deserve it. You know what David said to himself? I'm a king. I work hard. I'm always doing the right thing. I wrote this huge book in the Bible. I mean, like, I'm a kind of a big deal, and I'm tired. And, you know, like, every once in a while, I just got to kind of let loose, you know? And, and he thinks to himself, I deserve it. And he gets with Bathsheba. You know the rest of the story. You will tell yourself things that are not true. You are the worst liar to you. Yeah. It's not someone else. You know what will protect you from yourself? God's words. Notice the contrast. Look, if you would, at verse 34 in John chapter 8. Jesus says, you know, the truth truth shall make you free. Uh, Look at uh, verse number 33. Look what happens here. Right away, as soon as the Lord brings up the authority of his word and how it makes you free, notice the conflict right away. It's, It's almost like there's another spirit there that wants to go against what God said. How about this? Ye shall not surely die. That has enslaved millions of souls over the years. Maybe billions at this point. You know what that was? That was a lie of the devil. It was a half-truth. Can I tell you something? If I had a half a cup of coffee and a half a cup of arsenic, I'd be dead. You know why it's so important that you go, Lord, I want the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me God? You know why it's so important that you desire that in your life? Because it's freeing. It's freeing. Look, look, let, me, let me give you the victory of truth. Look at Matthew chapter 4. Matthew 4. The victory of truth. There's a spirit. You can read about this later in 1 John chapter 4. We, we're running out of time. I know some of you are shocked by that, but we're running out of time. And uh, I don't know why you're laughing. For visitors, I'm always on time. Don't listen to them at all. 1 John chapter 4. Uh, you don't have to go there, but in 1 John 4, it talks about the spirit of Antichrist. And you know what it is? It's a spirit of error versus the spirit of truth. And you know how you check something? You check it against what God actually says. And the spirit of God inside of you will bear witness to the words of God and say, yep, that's it. You ever been somewhere as a younger Christian? You didn't even know why. And you're listening to something, you go, hmm, that's not, that ain't it. Something's not, not right there. You know what that is? A spirit guy going, eh, this doesn't line up with my words. You ever made a decision when you convince yourself, I know I'm right. Preacher's not going to tell me I'm wrong. Mom, dad, are gonna, nah, I know what I'm doing. Husband, wife, nah, I know what I'm And you, the spirit guy is telling you, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. I mean, let me, let's be honest. I've been married for 23 years. You know how many times the spirit guy's been like, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it, don't say it. <laughs> and I'm like, bleh, bleh. Right? And then later on, please, baby, please, baby, come back, baby, come back. Yeah. Right? <laughs> you ever seen a woman look in the mirror and go, okay, you're going to go apologize to him. And then she comes out and she's like, you know what I think is really messed up? <laughs> we'll pray for you ladies later, all right? Look at Matthew chapter 4. Look at Matthew 4. Matthew 4. And, and you know what I love about this story? This is the Lord, and, you, and many of you are very familiar with this. But, but in chapter 3, he's baptized. And, and it's revealed, if you cross-reference this with John, that Jesus is, in fact, the Lamb of God. Okay? 
And, and, so, and so his person is revealed, right? And, and then later in chapter 4, he chooses his disciples and goes, let's kick this thing off. Let's start the public ministry of, of the Christ. You know what is sandwiched between those two events? Him being tempted. You see, listen to me. Some of you guys want to go into the ministry? Let me tell you something right now. It's the stuff that happens behind closed doors that nobody else knows about that makes all the difference in the world. No one was there to watch Jesus get tempted by the devil. He was by himself. And when he was in that wilderness, look at Matthew chapter 4. Matthew 4. I'm going to ask you one more time. What's holding you up? Is it truth? Or is it culture? Is it truth or family's opinion? Is it truth or what the pastor might think? Hey, listen, there's no, there's, no, there's no golden calves here. If something is against truth, it's wrong. Okay, truth is truth, it's God's. Look at Matthew 4, and, and I want you to notice, look at verse 1. Then was Jesus lit up with the Spirit in the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted 40 days and 40 nights, proof text that Jesus was not a Baptist. He was afterward unhungered. You'll get that later. It's funny. And when the tempter came to him and he said, if thou be the son of God, the first thing the devil does, he wants you to doubt. What does he want you to doubt? Look, look at chapter three. Go back. Sorry. Look at chapter three. Look at verse number 17. The voice of God. God spoke words from heaven, the father. And look what he said. This is my beloved what? So in chapter four, the devil goes, "Are, are you really? If thou be the son of God. His job is always to get you to doubt what is truth. If thou be the Son of God, command that these stones be made bread. But he answered and said, you're a loser. I was there when you were kicked out. I'm way better than you. No one's going to believe you. You're going to go to hell in the end anyway. He doesn't do anything. You know what he does? He just says, it is written. And he addresses the issue. You know what you might do? You might do well to follow the pattern of your Savior. When there's an issue in your life that causes you to doubt, and you're going, which way am I going to go? You know where the victory's at? In claiming what God said. Yeah, no, notice that this happens more than once. It happens three times. Uh, look at verse number five. Then the devil take him up into the holy city, that's Jerusalem, and setteth him on a pinnacle of the temple, and saith unto him, If thou be the Son of God, by the way, it's not mentioned here, but it's mentioned in Luke, that he showed him all the kingdoms of the world. And in a moment of time is what it says. That's a lot of power the devil has. He goes, man, here it all is, virtual reality. Put the helmet on, and there it is. Except for there was no helmet. He had the power to do that. And the, the Lord looks at that. And look what the Lord does in verse number six. Uh, he says, this is the devil. If thou be the son of God, cast thyself down. And notice what Jesus says in verse seven. It is written again, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Look at verse number eight. Again, the devil taking them up. You're not going to go through life and just get tempted once as a believer. It's going to be again and again and again and again. The devil taking them up into an exceeding high mountain and show them all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them. You know one of the biggest temptations you're going to have as a believer is not even necessarily some wicked, awful, evil thing. Sometimes it's a good thing, but it's out of order. The kingdoms were his. The universe was created by him. The devil's only offering him something that is his in the end anyways. But he had to go through the process of submitting himself to the Father's will. Submitting himself, listen to me very carefully, to truth itself, the prophecy of the scriptures in order to gain that throne and that crown. Look at verse number 8. It shows him all the kings of the world and the glory of them. Look at verse 9. Say to him, all these things will I give thee, if thou wilt fall down and worship me. Then say to Jesus, and him, get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God. It, I just want you to see every time he says it is written. It is written. It is written. 
And, and you know what the Bible says? Look at verse 11. What does the devil do? Now, we know it's not forever. We know the Bible talks about what happens at the cross and how he spoiled principalities and powers and their uh, wickedness in high places there trying to attack Jesus Christ even while he's on the cross. But the point is this. He left him for a season, as the Bible says in Luke. You know, the Bible says, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Well, how do you do that? You know how you do it? You do it with truth. You do it with truth. John chapter 7, you don't turn there, but John 17, 17, Jesus speaking to the Father on the behalf of his disciples, and he says this, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Let me just close with this thought. Christian, what is your relationship to truth? What is holding you together? Let's all stand. Father, we thank you for this night. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to study the word of God. Lord, uh, thank you for truth. Lord, uh, thank you that even at times, though we don't, our flesh doesn't like it, but thank you that sometimes the truth hurts us. Lord, uh, in the physical realm, there are things that hurt us in a moment that are for our good. I, working out hurts, but it's good in the end. Lord, there's medicine we have to take that we, we don't like it, and it doesn't settle well with us in the moment, but it's good for us. And God, the same thing happens spiritually. Lord, I, I thank you for truth. And Lord, I, I just pray that you'd help us to, to be a, to be a church, to be individual children of God that, that value it, that love it even when it rubs us the wrong way, that are willing to apply it and, and put it on, Lord, and, and make it work in our lives. Lord, in spite of the battle that is within us, the old man wants his way. Lord, but we know the new man, Christ, in us, desires truth, as David said in Psalm 51, in the inward parts. Lord, I, I pray that that would be what we, we present to you tonight, Lord, uh, true heart, Lord, a true inner man, Lord, that is truly submitted to your truth. There's no way we can, we can fight the battles that, that are in this day and age, Lord, if we're not willing to put everything together with truth. If the Lord's dealt with you tonight, I pray you take advantage of the altar. Uh, in a minute, we'll, we'll leave. We'll have a word of prayer, and life will go on, and, and by the grace of God, we'll come back Sunday. But let me just say this, that when the Spirit of God puts his finger on your heart and says, hey, let's, let's, let's deal with that truth in your life. Let's, let's talk about that. The Bible says we have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty. It's not just a matter of speaking the truth. That's important. Paul says to speak the truth in love. But you know what else it is? It's a matter of living the truth. Living the truth. When you have to hide things, you got to kind of go in the back door. It's, 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 not, it's not the right way to live as a Christian. You, you don't want that guilt. You don't want that stuff. You su surrender that to the Lord. It's a good thing. Maybe you're struggling making a decision. Can I, can I encourage you to do this? Decide based on what God says. Even if you don't, hear me out, even if you don't feel it right now. I can, I can honestly say, my wife would be, I'm sure, willing to testify that in 23 years of marriage, and some of you married longer, there are times, hear me out, you don't feel like doing the right thing. But when you base your married life on these vows and these commitments and truth,
Hope the Lord spoke to you tonight. I uh, want to encourage you to let, let truth lead you. Let truth lead you. Uh, this world is, is hurting right now. What they're hurting for is truth. Truth of the gospel. That regardless of what sin is in your life, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter your background. The Lord will wash it all the way through the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? But you know what that is? That's truth. And not everybody likes the truth. And that's, that's understandable. Uh, our job is to speak the truth in love. And uh, that's our goal. So let's go, let's go ahead and close in a word of prayer tonight. Thank you for coming out. And Lord willing, we will see you Sunday morning, uh, 10 o'clock. Uh, and uh, don't forget, the youth will be selling some coffee. So uh, be gracious with them if you would. All right. Uh, Brother Steon, if you would close us in a word of prayer, sir, please.